Boy 50. Them say I carry that, that automatic Yahoo boy. Why are us the bar? We go make your mama lose joy. Leave one for him leg, your future we go destroy. Police is your friend, all my other one a decoy. Sass the beat, sass the still, but Sega get your freaking back. Sega this, Sega that, but Sega know they ever slack. Sega tweet, Sega help, Sega be like light for dark. Sass the fear, sass the jail, all because of Sega fact. Sass be like devil, them they still kill and destroy. Person go watch ball, all my now they don't end the boy. Click pal, trigger happy, see the red on the soil. Vexed and enraged, on my inside they boil, only cop I can vouch for is CP Wakili. The rest will show you pepper, they are layers of chili. You they young, you get car, you they feel yourself a bee. Them go tax you, them go rob you, them go frame you up, you see. Officer of the law, but on duty you they blow grass. Young boys know they save, now your duty to they harass. Police turning bankers, them get POS, pure trust. RIP caller, they it is time to answer. Greetings everyone, welcome to the talk, the Aspire for Renaissance channel. You go here, we've got with me Nambi. How you doing, Nambi? And we've got a special guest today. We've got a, a PB, well, we like to call him Officer of the Damn Law. Don't want to know yeah, Officer of the Damn Law. Yeah, we've got oh, Officer of yeah. the Damn Law. Uh, and check out his um, channel, it's called PBWW, Officer of the Damn Law which talks about police brutality uh, worldwide. He covers a lot of police uh, um, brutality in the United States. He's based in Calgary, Canada. Oh, yeah. We, we brought him onto the show today. Quite a good channel, so watch it all. Check that out. Um, but welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great, great. So um, uh, just to begin with, before we go into the show, um, if you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your channel, why you started your channel, uh, how did it all come about? Uh, well, I think I started my channel based on uh, I was trying to find a very good niche to talk about uh, because, you know, on YouTube, people, a lot of, there are a lot of channels on YouTube, but people don't really talk about very serious stuff. So I wanted something that would stand unique and something that would become very positive. So I, I saw that, uh, you know, policing was one thing I could really vouch on because I did a little bit of law enforcement when I was in the UK, um, civil law enforcement. And I found that, and that was an eye-opener of how police are being run in most of these environments. It's more like uh, a dog-eat-dog kind of situation. They try to bully you to fall for their, for their kind of training or for their kind of side training. But for me, I was like, no. Um, there's a lot of corruption in policing. It's it's not really that kind of honorable job because right now it's more like, you know, a power tussle. If I wear the uniform and I have the gun, I can do whatever I want, kind of. So, you know, I decided to do a, a channel like that. Other people have, uh, you know, people have been telling me I need to stop, you know, that it's very, I'm treading on dangerous waters, exposing police killings and police brutality but the fact is that i had to do it to try and expose the fact that it's not really enforcement it's more about hunting people and getting tickets and making money and getting quotas and everything and police chiefs defending their police officers the bad ones and not defending the ones that stands for justice so i had to really because you know even with the little law enforcement i did in the uk back some years ago 
I saw the whole, you know, the 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 ones that the, the supervisors loved, the officers that supervisors loved, and the ones that supervisors hate. And uh, it was uh, really an eye opener. And the fact that you know, this it, when it comes to the United States and comes to policing, it's a really it's crazy because apart from me, there are lots of people doing what I do. I know of uh, two retired um, uh, police officers that are doing what I do, exposing police brutality. Uh, those two officers were, I think they were being kicked out or being frustrated out from the force because those were those kind of police officers that were doing very good policing and people didn't like it at all. So they kicked them out and those guys are now advocate against all kinds of police uh, injustice, police misconduct. So they keep putting videos out showing how uh, police officers are not supposed to behave and what is really going on. So for me, what I, you know, I've been doing this since last year. I started in April and, you know, it has really, it might not be the, the what people like, but it's for, it's for serious minded people to understand that, um, Police is not what it is, you know, right now. It's more like, you know, it's more like hunting. These guys are hunting people down. They are not really enforcing. So most police officers even break the law. Like I see, you hear and even in Calgary, you see police officers doing an illegal U-turn or doing all kinds of stuff. But when you as a, you know, a member of public do it, you get caught and they give you a ticket or they arrest you. So it's more like, I'm I'm the person with a badge and a gun, so I can do what I want. So may I tend to expose, uh, I use my channel to expose all kinds of police brutality. Because funny enough, we have some of our, our old people or our older generation Andrea, that likes to use the American or the Western police system as something as, you know, big or something very popular, something very better than the Nigerian police. But you know, with my channel, I tend to explore and let them know that it's not really what it is. Um, the American police that people like to use as an example is not really, it's not really what it is. Corrupt from inside, from top to bottom, not even from, uh, from bottom to top. It goes as far as being corrupt in the police commissions. It goes as far as being corrupt into judges and district attorneys and, you know, police chiefs and the rest. The system is just messed up. Would you say it's, um, obviously, I think in, in, with, with the U.S., it's very well documented. There's so many documentaries, so many eyewitness accounts, you know, people catching things on camera. I mean, it's well well covered. But is, is, is it the same in, in, in Canada? Because Canada is, is looked at as this um, very, very <laughs> well-run country and things are so fine. You get this green card scheme, everyone come over here, it's very well cultured, very civilized. Oh and, boy. Um, they don't even carry guns, or not, not many people <laughs> carry guns, you know. It's, what's it like? It's, it's no different. It's just that um, here, people, if places like in Toronto, it's crazy because you have, it's just that it's not really too much of a televised uh, stuff. It's not. People don't carry cameras just like in the States to video police stuff. So you don't see a lot of it on YouTube. But it happens anyway because it's still the same, you know, 
you have cops racial profiling people that look like me and you constantly uh, before they racial profile anybody else you know it happens you have a particular race of people more in the police force you know and that's done for a reason anyway it's no different what's happening in the states you know it's just that in canada everything is hush hush quiet quiet but is no different compared to the states. No different at all. It's just that the state is more the, the the police brutality in the state is more John Rambo, but the police brutality in Canada is maybe like James Bond, or maybe in the UK UK like James Bond. But the police brutality in America is John Rambo. Is like everybody will go down. People are going to get shot. It it will be chaos everywhere. Man, I just um, I really don't know what goes on in that in that US. <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. It's just very scary, I have to say. But um, anyway, th- thanks for being on the show. Um, good, good, good um, content on your channel. I urge people to check it out, and I'll I'll put it in there as well. Um, this is some of the details. Um, so uh, if you need to contact us, that's an email address as well. But uh, yeah, also the down below, you can find it on on YouTube. Um. Uh, can I just ask one thing? Is it possible if you can turn the camera sideways? I don't know if it's okay. a phone or maybe you can go widescreen. Yeah, I'm using my phone. Okay. Do you know if you can put, put it sideways? Okay, go widescreen. Uh, okay. Uh, no, no, it won't. If, if it can't, then that's, that's fine. Never mind. All right, all right. Cool. Okay. All right. So thanks again for joining the show. So today what we wanted to talk about... Uh, that is uh, community policing in Africa. So I guess some people who are watching from the U.S., U.K., other parts will probably say Amoti Kun is the way they'll probably pronounce it. But we're pronouncing it in the, in, in the Yoruba context. It's a Yoruba word. Amoteko. Um, I'll show it there. Uh, community policing in Africa. So I want to talk about community policing, and in particular Amoteko, um, which loosely translates to uh, let me find a name. Because, uh, I talked uh, about a leopard. It's, it's a leopard. Okay. Okay. So yeah. it's a leopard. Um, but uh, for those who don't know, the police um, in in the Federal Republic of Nigeria, um, uh, which which is where Amotekun is, um, focus of our conversation. Um, Amotekun is a, a local police force to um, a group of people in Nigeria called Yoruba people who they've recently established um, this force. Although there is a, a national police force, a Nigerian police force, which exists, um, but due to um, inefficiencies or the lack of effectiveness, um, a lot of the uh, corruption in the police force or just lack of resources and lack of manpower um, some groups have grown um, discontented with um, the police force, uh, have asked for uh, an upgrade or some changes which has fallen on deaf ears. So they've decided to take uh, the matters into their own hands and to establish their own police force, which isn't really uh, guaranteed by uh, the national constitution, uh, as, as the argument goes. Um, but they've said that... Uh, as citizens who have their own uh, individual rights, um, they have the right to obviously defend themselves, uh, their lives and their property. So they've established this local or regional police force, which encompasses, I think, about six states. And I'll just show uh, a map of the country to give people some context. 
So uh, this is uh, Nigeria. So the obviously the capital is here in Abuja. So the uh, this is where the control of the central police force um, um, is, is. And um, from here, it's organized and orchestrated to police the whole of the country. And therefore, there's some resourcing issues and even just um, logistical issues to begin with anyway. Um, so where this new group has um, launched is in this area. So the southwest of the country, uh, about six states which are around here, and they've set up their own police force. There's been opposition from various parts of the country in the north uh, and from um, the government and that national government, but they've gone ahead with it anyway. And um, I'll just read a few things out to you before we go into discussion. So um, Oyo is one of the states. Um, as you see, one of the senators there, uh, or lawmakers, was wearing a leopard print uh, garment. Oh, yeah. Support for for the um, for the outfit. Um, I'll just read quickly. He said one could easily tell the rationale behind the mode of dressing of the lawmakers, which was to pass the Omotekun bill. Speaker of the House, just for that state, for Oyo State. Uh, his name was Adebo Gundoi. Was not left out of the scene as lawmakers attended the plenary in the unusual dress mode with various styles. The clerk of the House, as well as other staff and legislative members, were also seen in their Omotekun outfit. And I'll go down to show you a few more of them. So that's the state house, and these are the vehicles already purchased and acquired um, for their activities. And here are various lawmakers wearing the outfit showing their support for it. So a motorcycle called Leopard, and um, the bill was passed. So this is just to give you a background on on this. So uh, since we've been following it, um, what 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 stuck out to you the most? Um, how do you find the the opposition, first of all, in the country and why people don't like it? What do you, what do you think is behind it? Uh, it well, I feel that uh, maybe people are scared of what, you know, maybe with what happened with OPC and the uh, Bakasi boys, you know, the vigilante groups. I feel that's why people were a little bit uh, hesitant with this one. You know, they were like how what uh, Namdi said that you know this this can be an OPC 2.0. <laughs> uh, just to yeah. remind people, who, who, who is OPC? Odua People's Congress. Yes, Odua, which is um the quasi uh, nation state of the Eurobars that has been touted for quite some time. Um, so uh, I think this was in the nineties. Was it in the nineties that they were set up? Yeah, in the nineties. Yeah, in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were set up in the nineties to police um, those Yoruba states, and um, they were eventually shut down. But um, there was there was a huge reduction in crime, but the the complaints or the allegations were that they were using quite unscrupulous um, tactics and means, and even breaking the law in some instances uh, in their policing strategies and tactics. So this this um this is now people are now looking at Amotaku as a reemergence of a similar kind of group. Uh, yeah. Some people obviously uh, would disagree. Some will say it is. And now we get to be back. So what what what, what do you think about um in the comparisons to OPC? <laughs> mm. 
I think it's too early to say, okay? Uh, but I just hope it's not a, a reenactment of um, OPC, which is the Old World People's Congress, which was uh, a, a Yoruba nationalist um, organization that was set up in the early, ni- early 90s. Um, so um, we saw how effective OPC was um, in the southern part of Nigeria, predominantly southwest part of Nigeria, where they were largely operational. But uh, after a couple of years, especially in the early 2000s, they, they soon degenerated into two major fractions under two major leaders, I think Frederick Fashion and Ganyo Adams. Um, so, yeah, eventually they just fizzled out. So, we've seen the reemergence of another pan Yoruba organization called Amoteco. Um, it's still in its early days. There's a lot of enthusiasm about it. So, uh, I think we're just wait- we're just waiting to see if if it's um, uh, if it's going to stand the test of time. We we just we just hope that uh, this one will not be hijacked when it comes to the election time and politics, and uh, you know we we just. Because I see them that they bought them cars, they bought them, you know, what to use. And, you know, so we're like wondering if, like, as Namdi said, if they will really, you know, they won't just be like OPC that, you know, was good at the beginning. Then after some time, they went off. And funny enough, the federal government didn't want this anyway. The federal government wanted the Nigerian police. But the Nigerian police is not really doing much in terms of fighting crime and the rest. You know, this headman killing, banditry, ritual killings, and all kinds of stuff that happens. You know, it it just needs to stop. So, so the, the, the argument some would have would be: shouldn't the, shouldn't the Nigerian police force be reformed rather than to? Um, to introduce this regional regional force, is this not just a cover to for the for the wider uh, ambition, which is to restructure, uh, to begin restructuring the country, in spite of uh, government approval, federal government yeah, approval. Yeah, yeah, I feel that the Nigerian police force needs to reform because I don't know if many people know this, but the Nigerian police force came out from the colonial British force. Is it's it, just like the American police came out from the slave patrol. The Nigerian police uh, force came out from the British, the old colonial British force. You know, so you know we we didn't uh, actually the Nigerian police force was not really built for our country in general. It was it came out from a system that was from like our colonizers from the British. Um, system because if you go, I did a, I did a video talk about the colonial origins of the Nigerian police force, and it came back in the day. They used to wear normal British big cap and they used to hold sticks. You know that's why they call them Olokba, Olokba. That means someone that holds a stick or something like that. So it does it it stems from that, and that's why I said that they need reform. Like we need to reform it to what will suit us not what has been helping those that colonized us, because that thing just came from that colonial police system. 
So it needs re- seriously. It it needs more than even reforms. It needs total overhaul, like change something that would suit our system. And then, so I I hear that, but then, okay, let, let, let's actually detail some of the some of the issues that the Nigerian police force uh, or Nigerians go through in general when it, when it comes to crime. I know you listed some of them, uh, banditry, kidnapping, yeah, kidnapping. Uh, armed robberies, um, assault, and, and Fulani, people... Fulani headsmen killing, yeah, you know, all it, kinds it, of... Yeah, people, which, which is um, cattle rearers going into other people's lands to graze. Oh, yeah. Protest. They yeah. attack them, be it with machetes or guns. Uh, as oh, yeah. Get them now. So there's a general, and we've seen many videos of even custom officers who stop people on the road, set up um, roadblocks to ask for money. When people don't give them money, they either assault them. Sometimes they've been killed. Um, people don't get taken. They don't, they don't get read their rights or taken into into the police um, um, station uh, with a with a with a kind of any procedure. It's almost like you know an utter brutality. I, I think is where. Oh I, yeah. Uh, utter oh um, we've seen social media, which has exposed a lot of these people now. Um, so on, on the whole, you could say for sure there is a need to completely transform that police force. Um, it has been working so far since independence. Um, but why do you think the lawmakers or the government has been reluctant to change it so far? Hmm. I... I feel like, how I put it, because I don't know, is you know the reluctancy of our, our of our system back in Nigeria, where you know the the police system, even as 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 the years goes by, it didn't even there was no like anything to make it really. There was no like a change. It's as if it was just be, it's depreciating. It depreciates. It depreciates. You know, right now you have police stations that close by six p.m. <laughs> they don't they don't do twenty four hours. You know their hotlines are not working. Police cars don't have petrol. Even you can see the Omoteko cars are even looking better <laughs> from the pictures we saw. No, you know, the police colleges are horrible. Those guys don't really get enough training. Um, they pick any kind of person to be in the police. That's why you have all this 20 naira collecting. Let's be factual. Let's be very factual here. Collecting 20 naira from people, roadblocks and everything. You know, so these guys, even as far as to those that are even at the high ups, you know, there's this thing that if you're a police person in Nigeria, people don't even want to respect you. Like I had an uncle that was a police officer and, and the fact that I was a police officer, fire is our uncle, but the fact that I was wearing that police uniform, people didn't really like him because of the kind of mindsets that the police have. You know, try to set you up or plan drugs on you or try to shoot you for no reason, extrajudiciary killings. You know, no amount of uh, funding even though they are given funding, there's a lot of embezzlement, you know, with the Tafa Balogo scat thing that happened back in the day. 
you know, one of those police chiefs that squandered, like, his name is Balugu. I forget it's Tafa Balugu or one of those names like that. But he was involved in some embezzlement, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's like right now the Nigerian police force is just a sham. It needs, it needs change and it needs a government that has, that has to change it properly for the better. Because if not that the Nigerian police force is a sham, we won't have things like OPC, Bakasi boys, or even the Omoteko that, is, you know, these guys had to fight against the Buhari's government, because that's what they call it, Buhari's government, to be able to set up this, the Omoteko, because they were tired of the constant attack. You know, this guy wasn't doing anything about security, Buhari, being a former military general himself, he didn't want to, he's not doing anything. So they had to set up a regional community police system which was which was outdone out of necessity and like people have been clamoring in the southwest please we are tired you know police is not doing anything here you know with the whole and the whole thing that SARS was just killing people anyhow last year mm, i was gonna bring up i was gonna bring up SARS as well you know so with, yeah with that people are like let's you know the saudi was like let's form our own uh police force and they had to push it into the house through a bill because the federal government didn't want, they didn't want to do anything. So they said, no, we're going to do this ourselves. And we're going to, if, if we're going to split, let's split. Or if we're going to, if we're going to cost loggerheads, let's cost loggerheads. So they were like, all six states of the Southwest uh, have said, okay, we, we are doing this. Enough is enough. Yeah, SARS was a special anti-robbery squad uh, that went, went set up, was set up to tackle a spate of. Of yeah, robbery. robbery across the country, but ended up being uh, ended up killing innocent civilians. If I'm to just uh, quickly interject, I say, yeah, I think uh, Officer Gambo is totally correct. Um, but I think that um, for us to really understand the, the emergence of Amoteco, we need to understand why there was that incessant call for it to emerge in the first place. Um, now, in the last couple of years, uh, there have been um, attacks by, um, well, just, just for the benefit of our viewers who may not necessarily be conversant with the um, domestic um, issues operational in Nigeria. There have been uh, attack, waves of attacks um, originating from the northern part of Nigeria um, to the southern part of Nigeria, um, mostly led by um, people that we have now come to know today as the um, um, nomadic um, Fulani headsmen. Um, so this attack has been going on for a number of years now. And the number of people who reside mainly in the southern part of Nigeria have been largely affected by this onslaught. Um, so the people in the south, especially in the southwestern part of Nigeria, uh, were of the opinion that the government, the Nigerian government was not doing enough to to protect the people. And um, there is this perception in in Nigeria that um, the people, the various ethnic nationalities that exist within the, the nation called Nigeria do not feel a sense of nationhood. They don't feel a sense of protection within this nation called Nigeria. So we need to understand, first and foremost, that Nigeria is, is not a creation by Africans. It was, it was an European creation. So. The people there are just living. It's a new colonial. It's a colonial um, creation 
that is being maintained by neocolonial forces. So the people there who live within these neocolonial states have just, you know, managed to just come up with some kind of working arrangement, however faulty or deformed that arrangement is. So some don't feel that sense of security, that sense of belonging. But there is a strong sense of ethnic nationalism amongst all the various ethnic groups within Nigeria. So the Yorubas are proud to be Niger uh, They are proud to be Yorubas. The Igbos, the same with other ethnic groups. Um, over over 300 ethnic groups that we have detailed across Nigeria. So when faced with an external aggression led by an ethnic group that is not that is not indigenous to them, people tend to embrace their ethnic identity when they come under external aggression. So in this case, there was a strong sense of Yoruba nationalism, and that Yoruba nationalism gave birth to this. Um, 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 community police uh, group that we now know today as the Moteco. So it is a direct response to the perceived lack of insecurity that we see in in southwestern part of Nigeria. And we see other groups also in Nigeria that are beginning to now have formal conversation about how they are going to also set up their own form of community police that will protect them and protect their own ethnic group. So again, we can see the emergence of um, um, ethnic nationalist groups that are setting up um, organizations that will protect their own ethnic groups from perceived external aggression. So um, that is the the origin and the basis of this establishment of this Omoteco. Um About you know the, uh, uh, the earlier issue about the structure, I think I quite agree as well. I think because of the fact that the, the Nigerian police force itself is a is a colonial creation. And maintained by neo-colonial forces, it is a struggle to um, gain some form of re um, uh, recognition, and is known to be a very corrupt and very um, um, badly managed organization. I think that security, first of all, has to be local, and hiring people within a particular community can be a very effective way of policing people. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, there are. There are sections of the United States policing system that are deformed, but there are, but there are components within it that, that one can pick and, and, and actually um, export. For example, you have the, uh, the Los Angeles Police Department, and most of the officers that work within the Los Angeles Police Department are mostly recruited and hired. They live within the Los Angeles metropolis, the same thing with New York. So you don't have people who work for police departments who are resident outside that particular metropolis. So if we have that kind of system where we have, for example, we have a police system, with a regional police system, where people that live within that region are recruited to work within that police service, then it can be an effective way of policing that particular community. Something similar to what Nigeria had um, in the First Republic, where we had different regions that were broken, they were broken down into three or four regions, and the police that were recruited from those regions that were recruited came predominantly from the various from those various from those regions. But with the civil war and the post-civil war in Nigeria, we what we saw was a fragmentation of that system and the emergence of a unitary system that then saw um, the, the 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 proliferation of a very, very deformed police um, police uh, structure where you had people who didn't have knowledge about a particular locality were posted to to places to go and work. I mean, you have 
for example, you can have a major city like Ibadan, and you can have most of the police officers who are working in Ibadan don't even know anything about Ibadan. How can they actually police those kind of areas? They don't have anything. They don't even know anything. They don't have any ideas on how the entire community is structured. They have no empathy for the people there. They feel no kind of connection there. But if you have a, a connection to the police that you are mandated to protect, just like a man who has his family, you know, innately you feel you are obliged to protect your family, you know. But if you are brought in to think, just okay, go and police this particular place, you have no emotional or, uh, you know, you have no attachment to that particular place that you have been sent to, to police. And, and, to, and to the sensitivities around. You have no sensitivities, okay. so you just do whatever you like. But if you, you have a, you know, you have a, uh, uh, you have an attachment to the place that you have been mandated to police, then you can begin to see a, a bit of professionalism. So in how they police uh, the police um, those areas, but we don't see that. So I think it's just largely due to the fact that the way the system is, is set up. So the solution will be will be for, for, for the system itself to be restructured, to actually reflect. So the, the components of the, the police should come from the regions where those people that they are supposed to police come from. So that in a way they will be able to manage effectively the security in architecture in those various areas. And that's my own opinion, though. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but there, there was one thing, though, because um, some, some people say that uh, why why now? Why is the motorcycle being rolled out now? That uh, these, these um, or the increase in, in crime uh, across the country, country and particularly the south southwest, has been going on for quite a while. But only recently did they think it was right to introduce them. And some say the reason they did it now was because someone, the daughter of someone high up in um, the Europe, the pan Yoruba um, social cultural group called um, Afenifer, uh, someone high up in that in that organization had their daughter killed by uh, the same uh, herdsmen criminals, and it's because oh. of that. They decided, look, it's time we do something, and did it then. But when oh. the regular, regular um, oh. citizens were, were being killed, no one did a thing. So okay, the timing is quite, it's quite, it's quite um, evident. I think that person was killed uh, last year summer. Yeah, the daughter, the daughter of the, uh, we'll find a the name. Of, uh, uh, the, uh, the leader of Afenifer, which is the pan pan Yoruba social cultural group, was killed oh. by perceived. You know, I'll, 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 share, I'll, I'll share that now. With, with people. So, wow, I I, did, I never you, you didn't knew that. that. I didn't know. Okay, that's why the thing has been making because I was oh, every time I'm watching the news, it's on Martin Kudis, this so I'm like, okay, I have to talk about yes. That. You see, it says, um, let me bring it up. Wow, okay. this article was from last year. Uh, yeah, I, I was right, summer last year, so. July 12th, 2019, daughter of a Fanny Ferry leader uh, murdered, groups blamed uh, herdsmen. So, um, wow. uh, the Yoruba group of Fanny Ferry has announced the killing of his daughter, Ruben Fasaranti. Uh, his daughter, Funke Olakuri, died at age 58. So, she was killed by, by one of them. So, it was at that point um, that many say that they decided to get their act together and launch um, a motorcycle. That it was, it was very, very um. So, so the question, question is: Is this a Monteco? Is it uh, a reactionary movement 
that have been set up by the elites in those regions to protect themselves. Same, it seems that, that it seems that way. Or is it actually uh, an organization that has been set up to actually protect the people from their perceived external uh, threats? Again, mm. that's why I said that, you know, I personally, uh, I don't really have any <laughs> opinion of, of the organization at the moment. I am just watching to see how it's going to unfold. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Okay, I just got a, a message um, from you. Hi, Dave, how are you doing? Because I have a solution for police brutality, but it takes money, but it's easily avoid solvable. Um, but okay, well, I wait for you to share that with us. So if, if uh, we, we need to discuss, we'll discuss it as well. And okay, so at least we've seen uh, a couple, few reasons why they established uh, Moteco now. Um, the yeah. background of, of, of the criminality um, that, that's been increased on the continent. Um, I mean, most most countries in, in in Africa have you know central policing system. As far as I know, I don't know if there's anything different for anyone to say there, but they're all general post-colonial structures, centrally oh, yeah. centrally controlled. Um, and some people have said to have a local policing structure could be a disadvantage or could be dangerous because the governor. Um, could could now corner the police force for that state to himself and use it to protect himself in order to permit whatever uh, crimes that, that, that he or she want, wants to. So it's better that it's controlled from the center. Um, there's been these arguments going back and forth. Um, but the thing is, many countries are following either the United States democratic system or British parliamentary system in general. Largely, most of them, that's what they're following. But in those places, in both those countries, they have community policing or state or regional policing, which they have their own, like in the U.S., and then they have sheriffs, they have state department, police departments. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 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 But, but it's only we've just kept what we uh, inherited uh, from the colonial times and it hasn't changed ever since. I mean, it makes sense. People can pull um, their resources, which is what it should be, and to be able to police themselves with their own unique circumstances and, and situations and scenarios. Um, so, anyway, mo moving forward, so Amoteco now, um, is, is, it, is it launched? Is it officially launched? Because we see that they've put the bill, passed the bill, and the federal government was still in opposition to it. But have they pushed to stop it? Have they... Have they threatened uh, any action still, or have they just largely gone quiet? Namdi, I don't know if you know anything about that. Yeah, it's been launched. It's been launched officially. Oh, so, for what I sorry, for what I think, I think it has been launched because it has been passed as a bill into law, and everybody, all the six days, stood by it, and that's it. And Buari cannot, uh, Buari cannot do anything to stop it. It's ready there. Wow, so that's quite, quite, quite a bold move because this is something that's been in, in, the, in, the, in the works for a long time. Many people have been talking about it, but no one's really ever made that attempt. Um, are we seeing then that this, this is the beginning uh, of similar, uh, I guess, franchises, that everyone's going to have state policing and then eventually, uh, what, what would happen with, with the federal police? <laughs> would they be working alongside 
um, state police? What what of when they enter the same jurisdiction? Is someone one going to tell the other stand down? They're going to have to change the constitution then. Well, although, from, although I, think, I think the constitution already has some um, wording about. Oh, it's, not, it's not very clear. Actually, I checked. It's not very clear as to state policing. It's not. It's not defined. But, but well, yeah, no, sorry, you, you asked, I was going to ask. What do, you, what do you think will happen when the two police forces come into contact? With <laughs> well. I, I well from the from the video I did about the motorcycle, I heard that they're going to be you know they're going to be walking hand in hand with the police, hand in hand with the police. But we know that's not really the case. <laughs> hand in hand with the Nigerian police, that's what he said. But we know that's not the case because this 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 motorcycle was created a fact because of the lapses of the Nigerian police force. So. Why would they want to walk hand in hand? It's the same thing with how Bakasi was created, same thing with how OPC was created. And funny enough, very soon, other geopolitical zones will start to create their own. The Middle Belt will start to clamor for their own because of what happened in Benue so many, some years ago with the headsmen killing people in Benue states. So the Middle Belt will be clamoring for Middle Belt police system. Also, others, other regions will start to clamor for it. And even some, and even the north. Mm. Um. Oh yeah, even the north. Well, um, I think I think the north already have um, Sharia police. Uh, yeah, they, they do. They call them. Um, is, is it Hisba? Hisba. Hisba. Yes, Hisba. They call the Hisba police, which is um, they enforce Sharia law. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so why why is the Buhari government fighting with Omoteko when they have something in the north? I'm not trying to be tribalistic, but the thing is that look, if if the the thing is that the Nigerian police is not what it is, it's it's not something that someone can put all their eggs in. It's 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 a police it is a police that needs change. Goes back to the colonial roots. Everything, everything can be traced back to the colonial roots. Um, I mean, you know, if if the, if the country chooses, I mean, going forward, if the country chooses to exist as a federation, then we can operate um, something similar to what we had, like I said earlier in the First Republic, where you had regional police systems or regional community police systems, where the police officers that were, uh, that were operating in the regions, the various regions, came from those areas. Okay? Yeah. But, um, you know, after after the Nigerian Civil War, you know, which ended in 1970, uh, what we saw was a, 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 a fragmentation of that, that system that we had in the First Republic. And what we saw was the emergence of a unitary system where police officers can literally operate any part of anywhere in the country. You know, which is what we currently have today. So you can have a police officer from the northeast working yeah. in the northeast. He doesn't know anything. South, south doesn't east. know anything. You know, yeah. there because it was posted there. That's what we have, and that's one of the reasons why the the outfits or the the organization itself is deeply flawed. If we have an organization, like I said, I give it. I give an example using using an individual. 
you as an individual have a vested interest in keeping your home safe. I don't think anybody's going to make you know, a conscious decision to make his own home unsafe. So if I am hired as a police officer to police my own street, why would I want to make my own street unsafe? Why would I, why would I want to bring in a drug dealer into my, my street? Why would I want to bring in a bank robber into my street? I wouldn't want to do that. Okay, so this is just it. So things are just basic. So hello. I think he froze. But, yeah. But, yeah. but the th like like what he said, that's and that's just the truth. You know, the whole um you know the roots of the Nigerian police work comes from the colonial which I said, which I was telling some people with my, when I was doing a live stream talking about that. And, you know, someone's arguing with me saying that it's a lie, the Nigerian police. It's, uh, look, you need to go back to the roots. It's not just this corruption didn't just start today. You need to go back to where the root of where it comes from. The American police system came out from the slave patrol system. That is why it is what it is till today. That is why the police brutality is John Rambo in America. There's what we call police brutality bonds, where police brutality in the States is being traded by sell on Wall Street as we speak. But many Americans don't know this. That is why police brutality in the States is very special. It's well, needed. Can you go into, go into that a little bit? How is... I know it's a bit of an aside, but how how is police brutality being traded? Is is it is it the is it imagery? Could, is it is it how 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 is how is let, it being traded? Let me see if I can get the link and I'll send it to you. Let's see because I was I was blown away when I saw this the first time last year, and people were shocked because they didn't even know uh, what was going on. There's a link. Let me see if I can send it. I'll put it in the chat. That's that's shocking to hear. I mean, um, you know, scary too. Because well, many if, Americans if, don't know this. I I know their vested interest in prisons and um, you know, and yeah. uh, you know, private prisons and and then incentivizing police, obviously arresting, so, filling those prisons up, essentially. But, um, so the, I know that, that brutality so, is actually... So the link I put is on the chat. It says police brutality bonds, how Wall Street profits from police violence. And this was an article written by the Arc, Arc, Arcade Action Center on Race and Economy uh, by Alexander Godwin with Shepard and Carrie Sloan. Okay, I'm looking for the... Um... I put the, the the link on the on the on the chat. Oh, it hasn't come through yet. Okay. Well, oh, okay. We'll just wait. But um, what what else? What else we wait? Yeah, that's um. Well, we, we definitely don't want that to um to, to happen on the continent. But who knows? Because if they're trading that, they could be trading globally. Nah, yeah. We wouldn't know. It could be trading globally. You know. Yeah. Because um, you know. It 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 shows you how. Uh, police brutality, but it shows how Wall Street is making profits from uh from the from the American police abusive police system. 
you know, you can see a picture on that article. You can see a picture with a police officer and the Wall Street person. You know, so this is really crazy. It's it's you know, people don't know about this, but this is really, really, this is really messed up. When when I saw it at first, I'm like, seriously, police brutality bonds. I'm like, wow. You know, uh-huh. it it's uh it's something that uh a lot of people don't know about this. You know, a lot of people I think uh, I'm one of those make sure it's posted there, but we, we can't see it. Okay, let me try and it hasn't come through. Okay, let me and whilst we're doing that, there's um just mentioned that there are some some countries that employ um um, community policing, South Africa and Kenya, two that I know of. I'm not sure about a lot of other ones, but those two do do use um, uh, community policing. Okay, okay Igor, uh, I'll, Igor, I'll send an email to you. Okay. Let me send, All right. Let me send yeah, an email. So, uh, as, as the borders are breaking down, there's another uh, angle I wanted to get to before it gets to the end. As the borders are going to be breaking down on the continent, um, and people are going to be moving freely now, country to country, um, region to region, for work to settle. There's going to be the need for more of a, a kind of regional laws um, to enforce um, or to ensure security for people over vast distances now that goes beyond um, nationality. I mean, you still have your national laws, so to speak. But when it comes to policing, um, you're going to have to have uh, police forces that are more flexible and are more regional and uh, can be able to function and deal with people over vast distances, but not with the national structure in hand, because that would be too much pressure on them. Say, if a country like Nigeria already has a lot of pressure on the police force, what happens when there are a lot more immigrants so to speak, moving back and forth, uh, some coming temporarily uh, for work, some heading back, some coming to work for, for a week and heading back to their, to their country, uh, which will start to happen. People working in one country and then living in another, uh, there'll be a lot of that going on come the end of this year, towards the next, once this whole coronavirus things, uh, thing clears up. So the policing structures have to be more dynamic. I think that more than I think that would usher in more you know, regional laws. So the regional blocks will have to have more uh, civil protections at that stage. This is just my thoughts. I don't know what you think about that, or if you think um, you know most countries are still going to continue with the rigid structure of a national police force, um, even though we've opened up all the borders. Just food for thought. I don't know what, what, what you think about that. Nandi's not back yet. Yeah, I've sent I've sent the I've sent the link anyway. I've sent it to your email. Okay, I've seen it. All right, let me get this up now. So, <clears throat> well, the the thing is the thing is that the whole Omoteku. Uh, you know, it, it was just them walking side by side with the police. I don't think that will happen because those guys were created 
and I've sent another link again to your email. Those guys were created based on um, based on the fact that the Nigerian police was not the pressure of secure of securing life and property wasn't uh, you know done properly. Wow, it's a real thing. Oh, yeah. from Los Angeles, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Chicago. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll post this in the link, but I know um, I think Dave was, was asking about it. So let me just post yeah, you, can, you, can, you could put it for Davis to check it out. Because <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was so shocked when I saw that, uh, like, you know, when I was just doing some Google search and some other searches and that thing just popped out. Police brutality bonds. I'm like, eh? And how Wall Street in America is partnership with police. Yeah, from September last year. Uh, let me see if I can read something shorter. As the cost of police misconduct... Uh, oh, let me go back up a little. How they profit from police oh, yeah, misconduct okay. and, you know, yeah. Learn how Wall Street profits from our abusive policing systems. Okay, as the cost of police misconduct rise, cities and counties across the United States are going into debt to pay for it. Often this debt is in the form of bond borrowing. When cities or counties issue, issue bonds to pay these costs, banks and other firms collect fees for the services they provide and investors collect interest. The use of bonds to pay for settlements and judgments greatly increases the burden of policing costs on taxpayers while producing a profit for banks and investors. Using bonds to pay for settlements or judgments can, be, can nearly be double the cost of the original settlement. All of this is paid for by taxpayers. These police brutality bonds quite literally allow banks and wealthy investors to profit from police violence. This is a transfer of wealth from communities, especially over police communities of color, to Wall Street and wealthy investors, and it needs to stop. Wow, that is an eye opener. Oh yeah, it was a serious eye opener, and you know, people were shocked when I said about this on my YouTube channel. Like, serious. Many people don't. Many Americans don't know about this. So many. But I think I was one of those first guys that talked about it when I saw it. And I had to just uh, blow the lid over off from it and expose it. And people were shocked and they were like, wow. I said, yeah, it, you know, these guys are making money. That's why they're able to settle in all these settlements when people go to court and everything. It's a, it's a system. It's a very corrupt system from up to down and down to up. And it goes into Wall Street and it goes into the American system of government. And it goes to the fact that it comes from the slave patrol and the fact that the only people that will make this police brutality more frequent are African-Americans with a certain statistics, you know, it won't, it won't cause anything else. You know, that's why these guys are crazy when it comes to law enforcement in America. Because it's something that's money making on Wall Street. Yeah, that's that's quite um, quite quite disgusting to be honest. Uh, and when, when you when you think it couldn't get any worse, I mean, yeah. I, I was just still getting used to the fact that you know private prisons were incentivizing you know police to arrest wait, as wait. much as they can and, and fill it and fill the prisons with it, but. 
seeing this now. That's even further down. Which, which is people have been talking about the prison industrial complex system, saying you know prison, uh, prison to um, school to pipeline to prison kind of thing, yeah. and how the prisons in America are being privately funded by people and also funded by people that even look like us, that put our people, more of our people there in jail, African-Americans. But the things that people don't know about the, the one that happens on Wall Street, the money-making business between the police chief or the police system and the Wall Street in America, they are in partnership in making a lot of money from what we call is police brutality bonds on Wall Street. Exchange, money. It's all about money. Wow. That's, um, so so uh, since you've been following it, has there been any, I mean, this was from September last year, has, been, has there been any updates, any improvements, any any changes? Uh, the law changed? Or people well, still well, just... well, when it comes to the America... Yes. Well, the, the American system of police can never change because it has been set up in such a way that it will always be John Rambo. It will always be violent. It will always be breaking into people's houses and shooting them. It will always be killing, you know. That's why, that's why they had to create a SWAT team. Normally, why would a police force want to create a SWAT team? All these so-called mentorized police, SWAT team, undercover, all these are, are, are so being pushed in the States because of, what we, because of what we call the police brutality bonds. They want to instigate the problem. You know, you can just be walking on the street in the U.S. as an African-American and you can get pulled over by the police for saying that you're loitering, but you're just walking down the street. You know, it becomes... it. it one little thing, this one little small thing may lead to something very huge. You know, mm. one police officer may just find something to try and put you down in the States before you can say Jack Robinson, you have like 10 police officers holding you down. It is madness. It is crazy. You know what always gets me is when there's a, there's a police officer with one person and he's already decided that that person is not armed. Um, he's speaking to the person. He calls for backup, and like six or seven police cars come. Oh yeah, oh yeah. For one, one person, that that always person. strikes me. I'm like, uh, is is that really the, <laughs> like why why is that happening? How can six police cars with each with two or three police officers in them? So almost like twelve people will come for one person. Yeah. I've always wondered, like, that that doesn't make sense. Something there doesn't sound right from any kind of resourcing management perspective at all. Like, you call, how many people are are, are you dealing with? One. Okay. You know, you find out the person's armed. Okay, I don't think the person's armed or whatever. And and then you know, okay, you you want backup. Backup is one person. Well, backup is six police cars with two people each. It's just, that one doesn't make sense. Yeah. The thing also is that, I've, I have uploaded so many videos of different kind of scenarios that even when I tell people, people tell me it's a lie. I've, ha- I've, I've done videos of police officers shooting at a car filled up with children. I've done videos of police officers killing people with their cruiser, 
you know, hit and run kind of situation. I've done videos of police officers involved in all kinds of sex crime, all kinds of drug crime, all kinds of drug planting, all kinds of domestic violence. I've done video of police officers raping their victims that they stop over. I've done, you know, like it, it doesn't stop in the States. I've done videos on police officers, you know, shooting people 30-something times just for the person, you know, running away from them and they think that he's a criminal. So they jump out of their cars and start shooting at them. Like the police officer is literally running at them and shooting till they kill the person, like shoot the person. Even when the person is dead, they keep shooting on the dead body. And this is recorded on their body cams or recorded on the on the camera around that area. You know, where they are shooting someone like 30 something times. I'm like, it's it's not it's not normal. That's why I say it's John Rambo in the States. Psychopathic. You know. Psychopathic. Especially when it comes to 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 African people, African American people. Um I think I think I, yeah, you can definitely see that it's it's a slave patrol. No, yeah, slave patrol. Slave patrol. A lot of it's slave, patrol. It, it's know, slave patrol, and I know there are a lot of um, you know famous um, African Americans who are currently trying to get police reform. You know, Jay Z, Meek Mill, and a number of others who've been trying to you know get some reform going, especially for African Americans. They've tried. They've gotten some uh, Kanye West wife. They've gotten some off off life sentences. Some who've been wrongly accused. I know Jay Z. I think he did a documentary, the Kali Browder story, and there's so many, so many stories. Even there's a new one that's coming out now, which is um, um, uh, it's a Fifty Cent show. It's called um, uh, forgotten the name now. Basically, this guy was a record producer, and again, just goes to show this thing the corruption. Um, I think the person was based in New Jersey or something, and the governor or the chief of police in that area, and it's a true story, was running a scam where he would go for and plant drugs on wealthy people, on rich people, and then go find the drugs, then get them arrested, and then impound their goods, sell them, and then they'll take the money. So they were, doing, they were targeting people and doing this on a regular uh, basis. So they, they did it to this guy, who was a record producer, doing quite well. They targeted him, planted drugs, not on him, on someone in his entourage, but they blamed him for it, got him arrested, took his his his, his um his uh, goods, his um, cars and things like that, and then they got him in for life, or at least for 25 years or something. So they wanted him to keep taking a plea, he said no. So he fought, he fought it, he read the books, um, law books, and defended himself in court, and he got yeah. off. I it's think I know that story. Life. Yeah, it's called, it's called for life or something. I, I, I saw that. I know that. I know that. I know. I've seen that thing somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I think I think it's called for life. It's a it's a it's a show produced by Fifty Cent. a series. I can't remember what channel it's on. Um, but you just hear these stories, and you just can't believe that it still goes on, twenty twenty. And um, I, I just feel, I feel just sorry for people who have to endure that that kind of injustice. The police. Right now, I mean, no, they always say, you know, people say blue life matters and police uh, is your friend and police, they're good police, but there are a lot of bad ones. I mean, 
over a million African Americans in, in, in incarcerated is is testament to to the fact that they a lot of them are bad. You know, a lot of them are bad. The more bad than good. Um, and 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 the story we have on the African continent isn't much so that you know they're thinking mass incarceration. It's just colonial mindset that still pervades. Colonial mindset that still pervades in in many of them. And they just like Felakuti said, you know, soldier come, soldier go, go and kill, go and you know just commit all sorts of atrocities. And another thing, most of the police officers in a place like Nigeria, they're actually guarding the, the government officials. You have government officials who have assigned to him four or five police officers, some to their wives. Some of them carry their wives' handbags. Oh, yeah. That's their job, walk around carrying their wives' handbags, whereas people don't have enough police officers. You said they close at 6 o'clock. Um, yeah. Some of them some are, are not around. <laughs> you know, it's just ridiculous things, but they're guarding four or five assigned to each individual. Yeah. Go. No, you're right. You're right, Igor. The, the fact is that in Nigeria, this is why, you know, the whole of Moteco was formed because the Nigerian police, sorry to say, is, is that's why I say it's, it's going down and it has passed the, the negative side of the graph and it has gone down so bad that nobody, you know, with the whole SARS, look at last year, SARS was just terrorizing people and people are like what is going on like we can't we can't be doing this you know and people had to fight back against SARS there were cases where you had a group of people beating up a SARS official you know and because things were getting out of hand and it, it wasn't solved people, these guys were not doing their jobs there was high level of arm robbery banditry kidnapping all kinds of things and that's why Omoteku was formed you know these guys got tired of this this uh, government, which is under the President Mohamed Buhari's government, uh, just couldn't do anything with the security. He had men killing people. People can't even sleep. People are sleeping with their eyes open. People are scared. People are sleeping with uh, machetes under their beds because they are scared that uh, Fulani headsmen will attack them. Because funny enough, we have, had, we have had all those attacks. It's just that when Buhari came into power, the headsman attack just went from maybe ten percent yeah. to two hundred percent. It's it you know the thing, the massacre that happened in Benue State, the fact that uh, in, you know Buhari sent soldiers to the east to try and bully the IPOB, uh, the Biafra people, and you're not doing anything solving the security. It's and now you you're right. The whole colonial mindset is what is killing our is what is killing our people in general. Yes, um, I, I, I think it's a good thing, I think it's a good thing. I think um, more regions should introduce uh, very quickly and very swiftly their own regional police forces um, with a different training. I hope they give them a completely different training. Um, oh, yeah. they, 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 they make them understand, you know, I know some people have been, you know, um, young people who are using computers and laptops who are, you know, IT specialists working with with media and design, graphic design. I've heard people once they see them with laptop, they say you're doing fraud online. They arrest <laughs> you know, things like that. These, these are people that just are not in the 21st century. You know, they're not in the 21st century. They don't. So they don't hope, have. They, they don't have body cams. They don't have all those stuffs. No, all those tech. Cam. They don't have all those things. Nothing. So 
it's like the Nigerian police is is nothing. It's just a colonial, um, uh, something that came out from a colonial stuff. So for it, for it doesn't just need a reform. It needs a total change. Yes, Everything uh, needs to change about the Nigerian police. I, I think I think you know, Nigeria police the global ranking is one of the lowest. Um, last I last I checked, actually let me check the the ranking. Um, hold on, there's something called the international. The, police the Nigerian police is on a, is an apology on an apology. You know, it's it's something that the the, the guys they, they you know they're not even looking sharp in their uniforms. Even when they are looking sharp, they are looking dangerous. You know, when the crim when they are called to action, the way they do investigations, they don't do investigations. Those guys are not even even good in doing undercover. For me, that just did like one year of civil law enforcement in the UK. I was able to even do some undercover job. You know, and the fact is that the way the way we were trained. You need to know some certain things if you're doing law enforcement um, in in all those other countries. You need to, you know, if if you're not really, I know, I know people that were not really well in the head, and they were kicked out of law enforcement in the UK. So you know, they need smart people. They don't need dull people. They need very like me. I was very good. I was very good in remembering people's faces. Mm-hmm. I was very good in remembering on patrol. Oh, he's cut off. Uh, seems like he might have fallen off, but he'll, he'll be back in a second, I'm sure. Yeah. And now we go back. Yeah, we're just talking about um, Nigeria. There's a World International Security um, uh, Police Index. I was very good in keeping record. I don't know why YouTube caught me off. I don't know. YouTube should leave me alone. I was very good in keeping records. And I was very good in memorizing situations. So the way they, they were teaching us in the UK, they were teaching us different scenarios. And every time I did my work and I came back home, I was always, I had this police book and I always check all the scenarios that were very more common, frequent. So I was always doing like, apart from the normal training, I was always like going to my manual and always taking like retraining myself, just Right, putting down because at probation, as where well, you have to do like a three months probation, and you have to make sure you follow all the guidelines. With the Nigerian police, <laughs> it's like once they come out from the police college, <laughs> that is it. They can go and set up all the roadblocks and start collecting all the twenty twenty naira. You know, the twenty twenty naira is just I don't know. It's 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 very pathetic. You know, you know, just and, and by the way, just so people know what it's like. Basically, this is a scenario. There's a roadblock set up. <laughs> they just wave you down. Come to <laughs> uh, how, how how are you? Uh, how you doing? See or something? Yeah, that's, <laughs> everyone knows. Everyone knows what this is. See or something? See or something? What do you see or something? Uh, no, I don't have anything. Uh, uh-huh. on, see or something? Come on. Basically, they're gonna just keep you there, asking you for money if you don't give them. And if they if they want to get aggressive, they can say, "Okay, up there." Which yeah. means I'm going to waste your time today. I'm going to, yeah. Okay, basically, you know. And if some, some sometimes if you get too mouthy, like and say, "This is I know my rights," and blah blah blah, and you start reading off all that stuff, then some of them can get violent. 
Yeah, then you can amazing. you can imagine the amount of uh, movies and Nollywood flicks and comedies even till now where people make jests of the Nigerian police. It is so many on YouTube. It, it is a regular thing where it, there was even a time when Nollywood was making so much fun of Nigerian police. You know, in their movies, they give the impression that the police is the best in the working, but in actual real life, it is not what it is. So even the Nollywood was even making insults. You have comedy skits on YouTube, how they make jests and fun of the Nigerian police. It's a total joke. And that is why, you know, Omoteku saw that, you know, the Nigerian police system is not really working so much under the, this, this president, President Buari. And they had to push this into law. They had to push this, you know, community policing. People might not like it, but what choice do the governors have? People are losing, people are complaining, the, you know, constant attacks. Jeez, it's, 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 kidnapping, banditry, it's on the rise. And the worst of all that the Fulani headsmen are just killing people worse than chickens now. You know, you have a case where cows now are even having more protection more than people. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. The, the brutality has got to stop, and if this is the way to do it, then so so, so be it. I mean, I know many people who've been on the on receiving end of, of, of police brutality in, in Nigeria, especially in the southwest. In fact, I have as well. I have, I have been, I have been pointed in Lagos. I have been pointed a gun at. Like this guy brought oh, out his gun. I'm like, oh yeah. Me too. Me I'm too. like, I was a rifle, big AK-47 to my stomach, like that. <sighs> I, I shouldn't. I, I, I shouldn't <laughs> be here. I I shouldn't be here because if that gun would have gone, I would, I would have been dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just. A, <laughs> I committed no crime whatsoever. It just it rolled in into an area. It was a it was a it was an area where people were eating, buying food, drinking, whatever. For some reason, they just came there for some kind of raid. Just anyone who ran, they obviously whipped you with. So some people just stood and didn't do anything. So they walked up, started asking questions, and you know they didn't like the answer. Just intimidate you, slap you, point a gun at your stomach. Just all sorts of stuff that just happened back then. Like and this really did happen. And it still happens. In fact, it's gone worse because sometimes you see, I mean, they, the way they, people just get shot up and bundled in the back of vehicles like, 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 like meat, you know, like, like, like cattle. It's just like oh, yeah. cattle. And it's, um, it's, it's deplorable. I mean, how can people see this over time and not see that there's a need to completely overhaul this, this police force? Not, not reform. Overhaul not reform. It. Overhaul it. Like... Logo, even the name, uh, yeah. uh, uniform, everything, training, uniform, everything. 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 E- police college needs to be overhauled. Everything, e- everything needs to change. Everything. It's is a complete shit show. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Now you're looking quite uh, <laughs> What do you, do, you, do you think it needs a complete throw in the bin? Some brand new. I think it just needs to change the structure. Yeah, I think it needs a total overhaul, but the structure, fundamental structure, needs to change first. So more, more local as well. Yeah, more local, more local. 
more local, change the structure, let each region decide how they want to be policed. Um, you know, like for example, people in the northern part of Nigeria where they are predominantly Muslims, I want some Sharia component attached to theirs, you know. You can't, you can't tell them not to have that, you know, while others in the South might want something different. You know, everybody has their own peculiar, um, you know, challenges. SARS, like you mentioned in Eros, was more operational. Oh, boy. But in the North, there was nothing like SARS there. See, I, I think it should be more localized. Yeah, restructure, reform, but it should be, it should be localized. Let, let every region decide how they want to be policed. You know, something similar to what we had in the First Republic. You know, so that um, you know, people can fund it the way they want to be funded. People can, you know, train their officers the way they want to be trained. You know, I, I've lived in the north, northern part of Nigeria before, so I know the, the security challenges that they face. Although the last ten years or thereabouts, it's largely changed and because of the emergence of uh, Boko Haram. That's largely in the northeast, in the northwestern part of Nigeria, where you don't have a lot of, um, you know, Islamic insurgency. Crime there is still pretty, pretty low. I mean, there's some kind of crimes you, you see. You know, there's some crimes there that uh, there's some places in not not part of, part of Nigeria that you know, hardly hear about certain kind of crimes here in the south. You know, it's just unheard of. You know, so each region has their own particular peculiar uh, security challenges, and uh, um, you know, each region should be able to respond to how they. Their perceived security challenges on how best it suits them. That's my own perception. Though. Yeah, I agree. So, um, hopefully, uh, I think later, uh, sometime in the future, we'll be able to look at some other um, police forces in other parts of the, of the continent. I'm, I'm curious to know what the state of, in particular, like uh, the detectives, like police detectives, I'd, I'd like to know how they conduct their work, what are the challenges, how the Resources, um, lack of resources they have, how that impacts their work. You know, do they have a state of the art, um, um, state of the art uh, investigatory tools um, <laughs> at their disposal? Uh, fingerprints, uh, you know, um, um, the data technology. Um, do they have those? Yeah. Or you know, I, I'm really, I'm really curious to know. Like when people investigate, I think, I think it's the same, it's the same largely. I mean, if you look at the internet, you see images of police brutality in Zimbabwe, police brutality in Kenya, in Zambia, in, in Zambia, police brutality in Egypt. It's, it's the same. But the degree, the degree may vary. Okay? The same kind of things you might see in certain countries that you might not see in others. But I think overall on the continent, there's a perception that the way the security, the way the police operates in the continent as a whole, they operate with some high handedness. You know, they operate with some sense of high handedness. You know, quite very brutal in the way they, 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 they confront or tear gas people and just brutalize them, extrajudicial killings. You know, again, it is not a sweeping comment. Some, in, in some African countries, it could, it could vary on how to the degree on how police engage with the people. But overall, I think. Um, it's safe to say that um, uh, African people don't really have a very good, um, don't really have nice things to say about their police. Yeah. 
Just, 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 just a follow-on follow from, follow from, from colonial times. Basically. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're largely colonial creation, and they are maintained by the new colonial masters, which is are the, the, the leaders and the institutions that we have on the continent. So the people there don't really have any inputs. Um, the people are under siege by this, uh, you know, by this, uh, this, this, this institutions, and uh, you know, they're just responding to the way they are. You, know, you can look all over the internet, you will see it. You know, yeah, which is even lockdown. I was watching the images of uh, what was going on in Harare. This lockdown, how the, 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 the police <laughs> it was, you know, it was even brute force. Yeah, that's a good point. It's already happening in the US. Um, uh, police, police are now attacking people that are not staying 10 feet away from each other. Police are attacking people that are carrying supplies to people to help people and stopping their cars on their trucks and seizing their supplies, saying that you're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's, it's already happening, ego. It's already happening. I have videos posted on that that are going to come out on my channel. So it's already happening. It's not just in, in Africa, but also in the States and anywhere else. But you know that the, you know that the States will always, the, the American police system will always amplify. Always. I don't care if it's COVID-19. I don't care if it's something else. It, week in, week out, I always get videos from people of all kinds of craziness that the American police always do. Those guys are so quick to pull out their guns and do damage. It's it's wild, wild west. So it's everywhere now, see? see. It's already happening. <laughs> I, 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 I just keep thinking, I don't know, because it's, it's, it was a long time since I was assaulted, but just to see that it's still going on, it's like, you know, as now he said, the neocolonial uh, stooges are are maintaining that system and not, not realizing what they're doing to their, to their own people. I mean, you know? that's, that's, why, that's the reason why they can brutalize their own people. Yeah. You know, when, when, people when people see images of uh, African police, uh, officers brutalizing Africans, tear gassing them, killing them on the streets, manhandling them, assaulting them. Like, you need to wonder what's wrong with these people? Are they, are they okay? You know, why are they? I mean, you can understand why, for example, you can try to understand why uh, uh, some African Americans are concerned about the high handedness, high handedness about American police. And they, they perceive um, racial motives for doing that. But how oh, yeah. can you explain? But how can you explain that for Africa, where the police are black, the police is black, and the people too are black? You know, there's a book black people. I mean, you can understand. Like I say, yeah. You know, if, I was, if I was a black American now, if I was an African American, which I would say, okay, he's racially motivated. Okay, that's fine. Okay, and you can talk about slave patrol, talk about the slave origins of the police. That's understandable. Oh, yeah. But you come to the African continent and you see the same thing happening, and it becomes even more confusing. But it shouldn't confuse you. It's just a, a manifestation of, like I said, the, the colonial origins of that institution. And those institutions were introduced into our population by violence and maintained by violence. 
So, oh, yeah. so my final question now before we go is, if we're saying that that is the root cause, so what what will community policing do to, to change that? Because if we don't, what is what is addressing addressing the regional regionality of the situation? We're creating smaller groups. We're just decentralizing it. What about the mindset? If that's not going to change, then we're, all we're going to see is people, is groups like uh, Atomotek start to do the same thing again, potentially. Mm. Which will be very bad if they start. <laughs> yes. Because then that will give, give a justification to say, you see, that's not working. Let's go back to the centralized system again. Oh, God. That, that, this, this, this is the thing. I think there has to be, I mean, in terms of solution, I think there has to be a, a human interface in how the police operates. Okay. Uh, I was looking to I was looking I was listening to uh, um, a lawyer who was proposing um, a, a solution that I think could be very effective. So we can set up like a, a police service commission, okay, where you can have representatives of the wider community as you know to sit on like a police service commission board, okay, that can review police conduct, you know, every six months, every 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 one year, which currently don't have in a lot of countries. You know, so that way, if there is ex any excessiveness in how the police operates, individuals can use that commission and its representatives inside those commission to escalate. That's, that service commission could also act as an overarching body that can checkmate the excesses of a regional police force. So if you have a regional police force and they received, uh, there's a perception that the, the mayor or the governor operating in a particular state may use that police as his own personal militia. Yeah, those kind of commission might act as a checkmate or as a bulwark to checkmate um, the excesses of the state or the excesses of the governor or the mayor who runs that particular state or that particular commission. Okay, and so there's like an independent body that regulates, like an ombudsman, you know, that regulates how um, the police operate in a particular, and you know, subjects it into constant audit and review. That's that's one of the solutions I think we can have. So that way, if there's any excessiveness, you can look at reports. So how many people, for example, have reported the police this month, or who were who? This kind of, you know, this, this is the kind of conversation they can be having. So they can be able to checkmate and regulate how the police operate. But we don't have anything like that. What we have in most situations, we just have a constitution, we have law, and the police just operate with impunity. That's what you just have. They don't report to anybody, you know. They don't report to anybody. They're not answerable to anybody. It's the reason why a police officer, a police officer can, can shoot an African-American or, or just engage in, you know, any kind of extrajudicial killing and still get away with it, you know. Even though they go through the system, but most of the time they come up, they come out uh, uh, not not guilty. So we have those kind of system that checks misses an independent service system that checks misses how is a police uh, the police service or the police system operates. I think it could play a crucial role in in checkmating the excessiveness we see in how police officers operate. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, so officer of the damn law. I don't know if you, if you had um, any other uh, comments with, with regards to Matekun or indeed any any future shows um, you wanted us to know about, uh, anything you wanted people to check you out on, um, 
Yeah, if, if you can let, let us know. So what are your final thoughts on a, on a Motte film? Well, I, I think that uh, the things that, you know, forming, you know, is a good thing our Motekun was formed out of the necessity of the fact that the Nigerian police force is not what it is. But the thing, what we fear is that we don't, we, as, as Mr. Namdi has said, we don't want this to be an OPC 2.0 because <laughs> this will be very bad if it becomes an OPC 2.0, you know. And that's just the thing. If, it may, if I, it starts good, but uh, at the middle, it starts to fumble and, you know, these guys start to do things even worse than the Nigerian police. And they start to say, okay, let's go back to our Nigerian police. Or what couldn't work, you know, that kind of thing. Just like how OPC and Bakasi boys were doing. So it's a good thing, but, it, you know, like he said, there should be a, a human element when it comes to policing. You can't just be going, charging, bull. you know, you are like, I'm the officer and my right is my law, you must do what I say. If you don't do what I say, I will kill you and there's nothing that will happen. That's not how you should do policing. That's more like bullying and harassment. That is police misconduct. That is police brutality. That is extrajudiciary killings. Okay, so there should be a human element which needs to be really been put into the minds of the Omoteku, uh, people that will be doing the policing and everything. They can't be going out and feeling that they are are on top of the law and they can do to anybody. If not, this whole outfit will just be like any other outfit that came and saw and, you know, were destroyed. I I, I actually think police shouldn't carry weapons in in Africa. Why are they carrying machine guns? (laughs) <laughs> like a general problem. I've never really understood. The regular police officer at a stop, at a at a checkpoint, at a regular stop, is just carrying a, an automatic weapon. You don't. Why do you need automatic weapons in a, in a country where weapons are, are, are illegal? No one's carrying weapons. Importantly, like they all have automatic weapons. I've never understood that. No, seriously, for the longest time, just, every single one of it's like standard issue. No, they don't even do handguns. It's just straight AK forty seven for every single person. Like, 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 what? Automatic weapons. And I'm, I'm not talking about high officers that you think, okay, you've gone to the point where the special squad. No, this is regular guy. You just became an officer. <laughs> Regular Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the regular Joe. Oh, yeah. Regular Joe. This guy's like 1847. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. People, weapons you know. are illegal. No one carries um, guns. It's illegal, largely, across the country. We're talking about Nigeria. But all police officers carry automatic weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and then you now, have another, you, you now, you now have another squad Especially as a rugby squad that have automatic weapons. <laughs> so, 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 why, why, what, what was the reason for the other ones carrying automatic weapons? They couldn't do the job well. You had to get another special squad with automatic weapons to do the job. It's just madness. It's absolute madness. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, 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 I don't really know why they carry. I mean, officially is fine, you know. I mean, it's not a heavily militarized. I mean, most part of Africa are not. If no. like we see the United States, I mean, I can understand the reason why police officers in the United States carry, you know, assault AR-15s and, you know, other 
automatically. And everyone is armed. Because everybody carries you know? you know, weapons. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but we uh, access, we access to ammunition, access to arms in America is, is legal. But most part of Africa, yeah. access to uh, arms, firearms is illegal. So it doesn't make any sense for uh, police officers. There's no target where you can go and buy weapons and just buy bullets like like they do in the US. So we don't. No one has guns. So yeah. Why does everyone have AK-47 rifles? I, mean, I, I just I've never understood it. Yeah. I understand at nighttime when you need to police, but then you have the, the squad for that. But the regular police on the street don't need to carry guns. They don't need to carry guns. I think that in itself alone will take away a lot of the abuse because that thing gives them the power. The, 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 the power in their mind to intimidate people. Once you take that away, have normal CS spray, right? Uh, don't even give them batons. Right? You can have it on your cuffs, and that's it. That's it. It shouldn't be a police force. The police service. They should even change the name. Force should, should be wrong. But that, 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 that entails that they have this right to enforce something on you. No, it's a service <laughs> because the people are the ones who employ you. Well, ego, 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 Igor, you understand that that is the colonial extract. Yeah, the AK forty seven, the police force, mm-hmm. brute force, yeah. that mm-hmm. constant force on people. Mm-hmm. You must do what I say, or yeah. I'll shoot you. Is you know, is the colonial is the colonial origin that is manifesting. Remember, I said those those institutions were introduced into you know Africa by force. You know, the colonial authorities. It, even the, the Nigeria. Now that the colonialists have left, it's being maintained by the current crop of leaders with force. Yeah. And even funny, the Nigerian army is also, it's, it was formed from the slave raiding army back in the days, you know, mm-hmm. when they were raiding slaves and taking them to the coast to be sold. The Nigerian mm-hmm. army came from that. And it's all by force. It's That's so why the Nigerian army so till today force. do what they do so in Nigeria. So it's force. You know, so it's 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 a new colonial, the new colonial institution. The people did not have any inputs on how the the police was going to be set up. You know, yeah. Imagine or, imagine a, a police officer carrying an AK forty seven that is more expensive than his whole time salary. Okay, even even this one, even, even I even I find this one really weird. I don't know if you guys have even looked at it. You see, um, African leaders that patrolling the streets. And they are, and they are, and they move around with like 30, 30 convoys, and all the convoys are fully armed. And how can you be? <laughs> are you protecting yourself for the people you are leading? It doesn't make any sense. You know, it doesn't make any sense. You say you say you were elected, you were voted in by these people. Oh yeah, the leaders. But you are walking around with heavy security to protect yourself from them. No, yeah, you're literally you're literally walking with five police officers, two at your back, two at your front, one beside you. And those guys are and those guys are just pointing left and right with their guns in case anybody comes, want to do anything. Like it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. How, how can you be protecting yourself from the people you you claim to be leading? It doesn't make any sense. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Again, again, that that one in itself has a colonial origin, because during the colonial era, when the you know the Europeans were moving within um, within Africa, they moved around with security. 
Oh yeah. Because they knew you didn't have the mandate of the people. No, 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 no. So they moved oh, yeah. security. So when the colonialists left Africa, then a new set of African leaders then came in. They maintained that system. Till so today. They, so so they you call it they move around with security too. Till today. <laughs> so the people, <laughs> and, and they never question it. They never think why yeah. do this like this is how it's done. Even when they are dead, they still move around with security. Even when they are burying them, they still have to secure their coffin. Yeah. Can imagine. Yeah, security, yeah. So it's a new the new colonial system. It's a colonial system that that hasn't been dismantled, that they still be preserved. Till today. The reason why a lot of people still don't understand. And we get this all the time. They will say, um, you know, say uh, uh, but the Europeans have left Africa. Uh, but the white man is no longer in Africa. But you guys don't have any excuse. But they don't understand that the systems and the apparatus and the institutions, like some of, we're talking about like police brutality now, some of all this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That they left behind is still be is, they are still in place and are still being maintained by the current crop of leaders and the systems that they've put in place. That's it. And the things that people should understand when it comes to America is that why there's a high level of police brutality is because they want to put African Americans in check, constant check. Mm-hmm. That is why it is still maintained two four seven. So if 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 a police brutality happens to a Caucasian once, it may happen ten times to an African American. It's just to maintain that system of okay, let's make sure these people are kept in place, and we're going to put these particular group of people as police, and we're going to be checkmating these group of people so that we're making more money on these police brutality bonds on Wall Street. The African Americans. They did not have any inputs on how the police was set up. They didn't. Oh, yeah. Nah, yeah. Okay. Sure. So they just emerged from slavery. They just found out that the police has been set up. So they didn't have any inputs on how the, the, the system of the police was set up. This is the reason why the police doesn't work for them. The justice system doesn't work for them because they did not set it up. The white man set it up. You know, the Americans, they set it up. The white Americans set it up. So it works for them. You know, they can call the police and the police can tell them to freeze and they will not get shot and they will take it to the police, uh, take it to the... Take it to, to Burger the, King, the, Burger uh, King. Take it to Burger King. <laughs> the system works for them. The system doesn't work for African-Americans because nope. African-Americans did not set it up. So it's the same thing for us in Africa. We did not set up these systems that we are, they are, they are, they are oppressing us right now. We didn't set it up. This way, Systems that were set up by the colonialists and they are being now maintained by our new colonial leaders. So, so that's the reason why it doesn't work as well for us. These are largely very oppressive systems. So. Oppressive. Mm. Uh, and then uh, final thing, uh, this is another bugbear of mine before we go, is um, even the, the, the uniforms they wear, they're all black. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I really that that's another offshoot again. I don't know why they wear all black and blazing heat. You're going to be standing in, in the sun, the blazing sun. You need to be wearing at least white to help you rebel. I mean, it just just makes sense. Just wear wear white or wear lighter colored, pastel colored clothing. Make make it softer. Make it your police service. You're working with the people. You're serving the people 
if you're serving the people, you're not going to be walking around with a whip. Here's the thing. They shouldn't have an AK-47. They should never have a whip. You know, <laughs> even whipping animals like horses is even prohibited. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So why do they have whips? They have whips that they walk and patrol around with, ready to whip people. I mean, if you're coming to a police officer, they say, okay, here are your here are your materials. This is the whip. This one is good for naughty people. And here's the AK-47. If anybody, you know, tries to act, act silly, use this one to pull the trigger. Here is a baton to beat people over there. I mean, these are the things. <laughs> you're, you're, it's like you're rearing animals. <laughs> it's like you're giving it to rare animals. Like, even animals don't, don't, don't deserve that, that sort of treatment. But anyway, I'll, I'll just leave it there. Um, so uh, uh, it's been great talking to you. Officer of the damn Lord. Oh, thank uh, you. Uh, yeah, great, great. Thanks for coming to the show. Um, we're also following you too, and I, and I encourage anyone to go follow him as well. It's PBW, PBWW channel, Officer of the damn Lord, the way he details and documents uh, police brutality globally. Uh, had an experience, uh, Shostin, as a police officer himself. So it's a passionate um, cause of his, and uh, well done to you. You know, keep, keep, oh, yeah. keep it up. And we'll keep supporting as well. So uh, we hope to have you back sometime soon where we go into other topics and other subject matters. But yeah, keep following. We keep following you as well. Oh, no problem. Uh, I'll be good. Yeah, great. Okay, now we have any thoughts? All right. Then. Okay. All right. Thank you all for watching. And see you tomorrow. All right. Thank you.